On this podcast, our teen hosts discuss real life with real people. We hope to inspire others by sharing stories of individuals and pairs of friends who have dealt with mental health challenges or just the ups and downs of life and discussing what brought them healing and inner peace. In these episodes, we also talk about the role that friendship and connection plays in a person's emotional well-being. Subscribe to this podcast to be a part of our Friends on Air family. Friends on Air! Welcome to the 11th episode of season two. Um, my name is Noah. I'm in 12th grade and I'm going to be one of the hosts for today. My name is Naomi and I'm in ninth grade and I will also be one of your hosts for today. Hi, I'm Shoshana and I guess I'm the speaker. <laughs> Hi, I'm Allie. I'm the wellness coordinator at the Friendship Circle. Um, in addition to getting to doing wonderful events and programs with the Friendship Circle, we get to work on this Friends on Air podcast, and I just feel so fortunate to be here and be part of it today. Thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm Ayala Rosenthal. I'm the team member engagement partnerships coordinator at Friendship Circle, which means I get to hang out and have a good time, which is a blast. Um, and this conversation today is super important to me personally. I feel like our community as a whole really use a discussion like this. Um, I'm very excited to hear from our speaker. I think she's gonna provide a lot of insight and um, practical tools for us all during this challenging time. And I'm done. I'm, it's, I feel privileged to be part of this discussion. So in today's episode, we are going to be talking about the tragedies in Israel and the effect it has had on our community. We are also recording around the anniversary of Tree of Life. So we're hoping that our conversation can bring some healing and support to our community. So to guide us through this conversation, we have a very special guest, Shoshana Thaler. Thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting me. I feel very honored to be asked. Thank you. Um, Do you want to just share a little bit about yourself, um, what you do, and where you're from? Sure. I'm from Montreal, Canada, Uh, but I've been living in the United States for the last... 23 years plus. Um, I work at a private practice called Untethered Therapy Group, which is a trauma-informed practice that deals with trauma and behavioral addictions. Can we one sentence, what are you here to talk about? So like you said, Noah, I'm here to talk about the impact that this war is having on us as, as a nation, as people and hopefully provide you with tools to help everyone cope with what we're feeling and going through. So we're gonna quickly pick out fun sweet question from the jar. What is the first thing that you notice about a person? I think I notice their eyes and in connecting uh, with their eyes, I kind of get a window into their spirit. That's a good one. Um, I think I notice their like energy and like vibe the first person. I think I noticed people smile, which like helps me understand their energy and what they're bringing. I also tend to look at the eyes, but I think you can see a person's smile in their eyes and I think you can feel their energy. So, yes, I think we're all definitely vibing on the same yeah. thing. <laughs> I know, I'm going to try to be unique with my answer. Um, although I think they all really come down to the same thing, but I think the person's body language also shows a lot. And I think their eyes and their energies influence. <laughs> Part of it. Yeah. 
So you are a professional in the mental health field. Uh, what inspired or motivated you to get into that field? So um, I think when I look all the way back, I think the seed for where I am now is planted by the fact that I grew up with a father who's a therapist. Um, so growing up in our house, there were always um, psychology books lying around. And I was the daughter who read those books and was like pretty fascinated, especially with the stories of, of like deeper trauma. Um, so at some point, so I, I ended up taking a detour on that path to becoming a therapist um, because I started teaching and my focus was always on the social and emotional wellness of my students. So when I did go back to school, although I started in education, I ended up in psychology for that reason. I realized that um, that's what ultimately I think is my calling. And I do feel like it's a calling for me. So, yeah. Um, but in therapy, I do find that I do a lot of teaching. So I get to, um, I get to, you know, teach my clients lots of things and, um, and also be a therapist. So I get the best of both. I love that. Um, what are some of the areas of therapy that you specialize in? So I work with a range of people who have a range of mental health challenges, but I do specialize in um, attachment wounding traumas and also in addictions, but mainly behavioral addictions. Um, I also work with betrayal trauma, which is a unique form of trauma. Um, yeah, that's what I do. Um, my specialties that I use are trauma treatments, um, like EMDR, sort of uh, trained in EMDR. And um, I also use parts work, IFS, mm -hmm. which is internal family systems, another trauma treatment. We should um, have a whole episode on that. That would be awesome. Yeah. That would be so awesome. Yeah, I love it. Um, I also work on just like somatic stuff, like what's going on in your body, what are you noticing, and breath work, and of course, mindfulness, and as well as very practical things like tools for getting sober and managing uh, sober life, sober living. Um, just, yeah, so it's a range, but it's what I do. So knowing that your areas of expertise include trauma and grief, uh, many of our listeners and community members are dealing with a lot emotionally considering the state of the world right now. What are the most intense feelings that you are finding others are dealing with? It's right a good question. So um, I think that people are feeling many feelings and I'll just touch on the ones that seem to be very prevalent for people here and also in Israel. Um, so I think that people are feeling initially there was a feeling of shock that everyone was feeling we we're going to address tools for how to get out of that if you're still feeling that now um also a lot of fear that's so normal um people are angry you know um and then of course people are grieving you know especially in israel where they're attending funerals every week it's a level of grief that we in america can't relate to even but i think that we do feel uh, a, di a deep sense of sadness in our hearts that's maybe even underneath the anger um some of us feel numb our feelings have shut down mm -hmm. so i just want to say that all of these reactions just to qualify they're all normal for what we're going through just off the bat uh, they make sense each one of them makes sense from a trauma perspective each one of them makes sense some of them come from the, the flight fight and flight response and uh, some of them come from like the, the like freezing response, like the shock and the feeling numb. That's more like the freezing, the anger, the fear. These are feelings that are going to drive us to action. 
So those make sense. You know, the grief is a feeling we tend to feel when we have the space to feel it. We'll talk about that more later. Yeah. Um, can you give us some practical tools on how to cope with some of these strong and consuming emotions? Yeah, I'd be happy to. This is the fun part. Yeah. So the first tool is for everyone to know that this isn't something we can get through alone. And I think that's where the friendship circle comes in as a community for people. So a tragedy like this or any trauma that feels so overwhelming cannot be managed alone. It can only be managed in community and in connection with other people. So that's tool number one. That's huge. Yeah. It is, right? I always feel like it's the, the number one tool for mm -hmm. any, any kind of um, trauma that anyone is going through is yeah. to learn how to connect. Of course, there's barriers to that. People are afraid to ask for help. People are afraid to reach out. So it's one of the tools that we need to sometimes work on, but it's so powerful when we learn how to do that and when we connect. I think especially also, sorry, I'm going to stop them again, but like <laughs> with this kind of, I guess with the climate of the world that we live in, where like social media, first of all, takes such a huge presence, especially in, youth, in the lives of youth. And like, it's so easy to feel alone on platforms like that, where like nobody screens what they're saying. Everybody can post whatever the heck they want. Um, you feel kind of like, uh, it's just a very lonely space to be in. And it's not just in so on social media, I think in real life too, like people are, are riding such waves of uncertainty, just like with people that they interact with, with the platforms that they interact with. So like, searching for that connection that you're talking about it has like an extra layer of challenge because people are feeling so lonely and are like almost hesitant as to like who they can connect with if that makes sense absolutely so one of the things that we can do in terms of that is joining groups that are already organized you know uh, attending a vigil that's already planned um attending a prayer circle or a circle where people, women or, or men sing, you know, and connect through song. Um, attending, I know, uh, Naomi, you created a Havdalah ceremony, you know. So um, some of our amazing teenagers are creating spaces where we can come together. And that's amazing. Um, but attending things that are already out there and closing your phone mm -hmm. and attending right. is a way of connecting. And then once you find that connection, you can keep building from there. So, um, but yeah, that's that's so important to address that loneliness and the feeling of isolation. That's so real, especially when we don't know who we could talk to. And I think we're going to talk about that also a little bit later. Um, how to choose the people that support us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually just deleted Instagram because it was just getting way too much of like yeah. all this stuff. Good for you. That's so, so awesome. Yeah, it was hard. But <laughs> Very hard, but yeah, so important. There are many more tools that I would like to offer you here today. So another one related to emotions is just number one, naming what you're feeling. So because there are so many emotions that come up when we're experiencing a trauma, it's important to name them. You could use an emotion wheel, wheel of emotion, I have one actually in a pillow form in my house. And just looking around how many feelings we're actually feeling and naming them. Every time an emotion is named, it's as if we're witnessing it. So being able to do that is another tool that I encourage you all. It can feel so confusing and overwhelming. So naming the feeling is a tool. 
another tool related to emotions is normalizing them. So we get an inner critic that pops up and says, gosh, you're sad all the time. What's wrong with you? You know, when are you going to get over this? Um, or if somebody is numb, you know, like, gosh, there must be something wrong with you that you're not feeling anything. Your heart is cold. What's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. You know, so that critic voice is so important to um, kind of have like a counter compassionate response to and say something like, hey, this is a trauma. This is overwhelming. Whatever I'm feeling is normal right now, like super normal. And so this helps us. How does this help us? Because rather than just feeling the sadness that I'm feeling, I'm now, if I listen to the critic, I'm also feeling bad that I'm feeling sad. See? Mm -hmm. So now it's another layer of suffering. To feel the sadness is its own work. But to deal with the shame that comes from feeling that sadness, that's really too much to ask. So managing the inner critic is so important. Saying, hey, I hear you. I know it seems really weird that I'm so sad and that the sadness isn't passing, but it's normal to feel this way right now. It's normal. It's okay that we feel this way. And I think giving ourselves permission is part of that. Just like, it's okay to feel whatever you're feeling right now, as crazy and weird and stuck as we feel. That alleviates some of the struggle from the emotion. Yeah, so then do you, do you guys want me to go into like um, each emotion and tools for each specific one? Let's do it. Let's do let's like, like yeah, and let's, we'll keep each one like little chunks. Little chunks yeah. for each one. Okay, so we started with the shock. And I think that's a good one to start with because people who are still feeling that um, can really probably benefit from knowing these tools. So um, the shock is like a freeze response. And initially, it makes us feel um, like we can't function very well. Our brain is cloudy and we can't focus. Sometimes we have trouble sleeping, trouble eating, making food for ourselves. So these things are very problematic. People can't stay in shock for too long. It's eventually going to be very problematic if we stay in that state. So we want to start with little movements, puttering. They call it puttering. You know, find little things that you can do, little things that can get you moving in your day. Um, also, another thing for the shock is recognizing like part of what we said before that we don't need to do this alone. I'm struggling to make food for myself, then go get food. Like just buy it. Don't even ask yourself, like just go take care of what you need that you can't do yourself. So things that become difficult to do and to manage, we need to lean on resources. Some of that is, is community, our parents, our family, our friends to do for us what we can't do for ourselves right now. Okay, um, so and and then so through the puttering and through the um, leaning on other people, we slowly start to be able to come back and resume normal life. It's important to almost talk ourselves into saying like, it's okay to come back to what I need to do in my regular day, like be a student or, you know, uh, be a parent. So I think that sometimes people get stuck because they end up in survivor's guilt. And what that means is like, how could I go back to my normal life when the people in Israel and the soldiers don't get to go back to their normal life? And that's where people really get stuck. Because if you're going to do the puttering and if you're going to do the connecting, chances are you're going to come out of it. So if you get stuck in that, how do we handle survivor's guilt? Well, um, so one of the things that we can tell ourselves 
is that if I do take care of myself, it'll put me in a better place to be able to help those who can't take care of themselves. See? So we find our motivation outside of ourselves. I'm not doing it for me. It feels so bad to do it just for me, but I'm doing it so that I could then help others. See? Also, you know, that feeling of survivor's guilt, it comes from a deep place of compassion in our hearts. And that's beautiful and wonderful. But we have to understand that there's enough compassion to go around. And we can keep some for ourselves. It doesn't mean that if we keep some for ourselves, that there won't be enough to share with others. So taking care of ourselves as a way to be more present for others, that's where it comes from. And that helps us get out of ourselves and where we're stuck. Okay, so that's the shock. The next two are fear and anger, which are the sympathetic responses. And those, when we find ourselves in the middle of a trauma, we feel that energy, we feel that increased energy and we want to do something. And I think that is the solution. Our body knows exactly what to do. We need to channel that into action. So doing things that bring the community together, um, going to community, doing, doing, giving charity, organizing things, or if you're not the organizing type, that's okay. Join someone who organized something already. And thankfully we have so many opportunities to do that. So it's not that hard to translate our fear which is basically saying like, you're not safe, you're not safe, into how could I help other people be safe? How could I help my family be safe? My family in Israel be safe? My brothers and sisters in Israel, how could I help them be safe? Okay, and the anger is this feeling of, I need to take action in general. It's like, I need to change something. So go change something, okay? Go protect somebody. Go do something that's gonna help benefit somebody. So here's another practical tool for managing anger. So when somebody finds that they're very, very angry, they have a lot of energy in their body. And so if you can't organize something or attend something right now, what do you do with that energy in the moment? One of the things you could do is move, go for a walk, go for a run. Another very practical tool is something that we call clench and release. When our body is full of anger, we can just like hold our body tight, 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 as tight as we can from head to toe, contracting every muscle and then letting it go. So that's, that's a, a something that really works very well for people who have a lot of anger, just clenching and releasing as a way to let go of that rage. All right, so moving into grief. So one thing to know about grief is that it comes in waves. That's the way, that's the way sadness works. And as we know about a wave, you wanna move with it, not fight against it. That's how you keep yourself safe in a wave, right? So when the wave of grief passes over, we want to move with it. We want to let our body feel it until it's done, until the wave has passed. That's what the body naturally knows how to do with sadness. The problems come from when we suppress it. We don't allow ourselves to move with the wave and we're fighting the wave, see? Then we get caught in that wave. So basically a practical tool for sadness is to let yourself cry, simple. Some people say, if I start letting myself cry, I'm going to cry all day. I'm going to get stuck in shock again. I'm not going to be able to get anything done for the rest of the day. But the fact is that that wave, according to research, lasts for like 90 seconds. If you don't block it, if you flow with it, it comes and goes really quickly. So I want people to know that because I feel like that's such a, 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 some, it's such a barrier to feeling our sadness mm -hmm. is that um, and if somebody has, let's say somebody who's like older, who hasn't ever flown with their sadness, 
it's true, it might take them five or 10 minutes to get a whole cry out only because they've suppressed it. And now there's a lot of sadness built up. But on a regular day, when you're feeling sad in the moment, you read something, you saw something, you feel sad, just let yourself go with it. Let yourself cry those tears and it will pass. That's also how we get out of shock. We let ourselves feel what we're feeling, especially the sadness if it comes. And when we let ourselves feel it, it kind of, the wave ends and we can move on. What if, because um, I'm thinking this is like such a powerful, simple way to embrace what we're going through. When things like, if a wave of sadness comes over you, but you're like at school or at work, or, you know, and you feel like you can't necessarily let it out at that moment, what do you suggest in that sort of scenario? Yeah, really good. I had that experience where I was in a group and we were praying and I was, I was like really, really sad. And I was just, I just cried. I, I looked, kind of looked around the room to see if anyone else was crying. You know how that is. Right. Nobody else was. And I just stood there and cried and sniffled and, and did my thing. Yeah. But obviously we don't always have the ability to do that. If I'm in the middle of work and I feel a wave of sadness. So I need to name my feeling. I'm feeling sad right now. And then we have a handy container. The container is a tool. And sometimes we need to open our container in our minds and place the feeling inside, close the container and put it on a shelf so that we can come back to it later. That is a tool I teach my clients as well to be able to manage feelings that are intrusive. All right. So I let my, myself know, I let my, my feeling know, I'm going to get back to you later, I promise. And it's very important later to take the container back off the shelf and look at it again so that we train ourselves, our body and our parts to know like, sometimes it's not the right time for this feeling. I have to go and do things, you know? And that's a bit of a boundary in a way to take care of ourselves and set some limits around our feelings. That makes sense? Yeah, yeah. Do you guys have any other questions, things that you're experiencing that you feel like you don't know how to deal with yet or that I didn't share as a tool? Does that make sense? Did I not address some of you? Talk about like frustration. I feel like with like everything going on, sometimes I find myself getting frustrated that people can't like understand my point of view or aren't willing to listen to my perspective. And it, I feel like sometimes I struggle to deal with that yeah. because I can't get through to them. Yeah. Well, that's that's a really good piece of awareness you have there. That when you're going to talk to somebody and you know they're not hearing you. So what do you do? What do you do, you know? Um, so yeah, you're definitely gonna end up feeling very frustrated if they're not hearing you. So sometimes the healthy thing to do or the adaptive way to thing to do is to choose the people we speak to carefully. So I don't want to be full of frustration right now. I'm managing so many other feelings so I'm only going to talk to people who can hear me. And I think that's a healthy boundary in times like this. I'm not going to engage with people who don't hear me. Not right now. Not right now. Maybe at another time when things have passed and everyone's well, then I could engage in those conversations without it affecting me too deeply. But right now, I almost feel like those conversations are a distraction from other feelings that we may be feeling, you know? Um, Sometimes we engage in that conversation because it's a, it's a way to um, channel our anger, you know, 
I just yell at somebody about this. I'm going to feel better. I'm going to get my anger out. So choosing the other tools for managing anger, channeling your anger into helping somebody, protecting somebody, doing something for somebody rather than fighting somebody. Because if you notice how you feel after you've done this one versus fighting with somebody, you know, this one is just better for your overall mental wellness. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. But if that is like, Maybe way too frankly, yeah. but let me know if I like. I'm just thinking of a practical example. Um, if I'm engaging one on one with somebody, yeah, maybe that I just typically see in my weekly life, um, who clearly is not understanding where I'm coming from, like no one's saying. I guess mentally in that moment, with the right thing to do would be to, I guess in my mind, have some sort of gate and be like. Right now, I just, I don't have the capacity to, like, to be engaging with this person right. in this kind of way. Exactly right. I just, well, I'll talk to them. If it, if it really is important to me, then we'll talk about it at a later time, at a later date. Yeah. But right now, like, I truly can't care what they're saying. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Fair. I just can't. Imagining the gate. I love that. Thanks for the image imagery, you know? Just imagine a gate, and you can say to them, I really wish I could continue this conversation with you. Let's t- let's pick it up on another day. Can't talk about this now. It's just for my wellness. You know, never feel bad or embarrassed to say like, I can't do this right now. That's what a boundary is. It takes helps you take care of yourself. So if you have the the luxury of like hanging out with people who you know are not going to engage you like that or bring out your anger and frustration like that, you know, then go ahead. Choose people to surround yourself with who are going to just be soothing to you. And not irritating and activating, you know. Um, but if you are find yourself in that conversation, whenever you remember, just imagine the gate, you know, and say like, "It's okay for me to leave this conversation now and just somehow bow out." That makes sense. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Uh, with the feelings of hopelessness floating around, how can we fill our minds with lighter, more hopeful thoughts? Good question. So. I think we all have the choice of what we're looking at right now and what we're choosing to invite into our lives. So um, in order to fill our minds with hopefulness, it, it helps to be reading inspiring stories or miracle stories or inspirational little you know blurbs that people are putting out there um, that help us feel stronger, help us feel more connected. Help us feel that there is a higher power that is, you know, um, taking care of individuals in this tragedy. Um, also, this is this this. I'm not sure how you guys are going to take this, but um, taking a very broad lens of the Jewish people as a whole has seemed to help me at least. Just thinking about our nation and how, from the beginning of creation, at least biblical creation, you know, there have been many nations. And all of them have come and gone. But the Jewish nation has survived. We have continued to survive for millennia after millennia, century after century. So when I think about the big picture, I think to myself, we're going to be okay. We have a God that takes care of us in the big picture. you know. Um, so that's something that I found to be helpful to go there when I'm feeling a little bit of hopelessness. Like, no, we are a nation that we are survivors. And as long as we use adaptive 
stress response coping skills that we talked about here, we'll get through this. We'll be okay. So Friendship Circle is a Jewish organization, but we clearly serve the greater Pittsburgh community. Uh, we have members and staff members of all different backgrounds. And um, it's been interesting to see not even just a friendship circle, but beyond how um, Jewish people are experiencing one thing and people who can't exactly relate to the issue in the same way, like don't necessarily know how to approach uh, this whole subject. And sometimes it comes with conflicting views and it creates some tension. And how would you suggest navigating that sort of thing, especially in a space where we wanna make everybody feel comfortable, we wanna make everybody feel welcome, we want everybody to feel safe, regardless of who they are or where they come from, um, what do you suggest? So the word that comes to my mind is curiosity. So in order to have dialogue, we need to be genuinely curious. So when the broader community um, has different opinions and points of view and values, what we need to do is get curious about each other. So not be as attached to our own opinion um, as much as be curious and open to other people's opinions. So that is the high tall order of the day. What we find is that that's not so easy to implement. So I'm just putting it out there. That's the highest ideal is to be able to be curious about other people and engage in active listening. And like that means like really allowing another person to speak without our own agenda popping up in front of us where we can't hear a word that anyone else is saying, okay? At the same time, if the conversation comes from, this is from a therapeutic perspective, when we have a couple who comes in and each one is fighting that I'm right, you're wrong, we say nobody wins, nobody wins. So if it turns out that members of the Friendship Circle community um, are struggling with that and they can't let go of I'm right, you're wrong, that's when the boundaries we talked about earlier, putting up our gate and taking a step back, you know? I think that part of the curiosity is understanding that most of the time, life is so complicated that I'm right and you're right. Mm -hmm. I'm wrong and you're wrong. And so we, we are both right and we are both wrong. And so if we can come from that respectful place, continue engaging. But if at any point it starts to feel like this power dynamic of I'm right and you're wrong, just keep it that little word in your mind. Nobody wins. Time for your gate to go on. That's my suggestion. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah, that's very helpful. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then the last thing that I just wanted to ask was what is like a song or like a book that has helped you or heal or brought you some joy? So I like listening to Israeli music, especially Yisha Rebo is my favorite. Yes. So I've been listening to a lot of that. Do you have a favorite song? We like to compile all of our guest speakers' songs into a playlist. Oh, I do. Have, still have yes, do. <laughs> yeah, if I could remember. I think it's pet. I can't like it. The word. The wording is um, something y patru, right? Oh, you know yes, what I'm yes, yes. You know what I'm talking I'll about. I'll I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's a beautiful song. That's a beautiful song of his. Yeah. Yeah, mine is also the same. Just like listening to more like soul music that really like helps me feel connected. Yeah. Um, also listening to music, but I've also found that going outside, going for a walk, exercising and moving my body has like really helped me heal and just like 
find peace and like be okay kind of talk through my feelings in my head i found that that's really helpful it's awesome yeah the walking and processing is is very natural yeah Mm -hmm. ever i have a couple walking meditations scripts i wrote if you're interested do that a lot um but i'm gonna say like i've been getting more into um I call it a mix of like um, spirituality and then mindfulness. So um, let's say like I'm in this room for a moment and before I'm leaving it, um, I'm thinking about like what I'm like, what the room has provided for me, what I'm grateful for. Yeah. Like this moment that I'm looking like, thank you for the fire. Thank you for the warm conversation or, you know, um, if it's connected like to a memory of somebody that I love, like, oh, my father-in-law used to love sitting by the fire of me and talking about some pain with whatever like just trying to like remember those things that tie you to the people and places that you feel safe it's a good one it's a very good one um i'm gonna say go back to the beginning of our conversation which is like it brings me a lot of healing when i'm able to be in settings where i feel completely safe and completely connected and um I guess, like, uh, I guess safe is really the word, but just that overall feeling of, like, I'm okay in this space. And I can cry, and I can be, and I can be all of the things that are coming up in one area with these people. Uh, I think that is a very healing space to be in. I think the weekend actually provides, like, pretty much exactly that, honestly. And I, I think it provides that for our teens, and it also provides it for me as a staff member. Um, so that's going to be, that's mine. And music, like you guys said, I mean, nothing is better than like some like real music. Yeah. Another thing is like praying for me also really Mm -hmm. helped or like journaling, like writing down how I feel. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If I can go off of something other than music. Um, (laughs) um, so I think for me, my number one is like you said, Ayala, it's the connection. I just, don't think I could get through this alone. And um, just reaching out every single day for connection and also doing something every day, whether it's my prayer or anything else that I could do. Every day something, every day something. Intentional practice. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So thank you so much, Shoshana, for being willing to share your expertise and experience with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Pleasure. I'm say a brief recap. Today we talked about like real practical tools on how to deal with the feelings that are coming up surrounding the war in Israel. And we, uh, like Noah mentioned, a lot of feelings coming up this weekend or last weekend um, regarding like Tree of Life and anti-Semitism and just the, the tension in the air. Um, we talked about shock, we talked about fear, we talked about anger, we talked about frustration, we talked about conflict with peers, and you gave us like some real solid tips um, on how to deal with each of those things, which honestly, I think this has been the most like practical episode we've had, like with real, real um, takeaway information. So thank you so much. And you're welcome. But I, I did have like a bonus, because as I'm thinking, like, I forgot to teach you some other tools. So... <laughs> Can I do three more? Totally. Let's, let's do it. We'll do it okay. for as long as Okay, they're super short. Us. Yeah, super yeah, short. Yeah. So this is very practical. If your heart is heavy and you put your hand over your heart space, If you're listening, do it with us. Yeah, do it with us. 
All you have to do is just kind of let your thoughts clear out of your head and focus on the sensation of your hands over your heart. Noticing what that feels like in your body. Sometimes you'll find yourself taking a breath, involuntary, like just a breath comes up or something shifts inside. Hand over heart is a tool. So with the hands over the heart, there comes a deepening of the breath. So the next tool I wanna to teach you is breath. Breathing for regulation. When you take three to five breaths, your nervous system begins to get a message. And the message is, I am safe. I'm gonna be okay. There's no danger. So breathing is always available to everybody. And I'm sure you guys talk about this at the Friendship Circle all the time. So I can't conclude without reminding everybody, a gentle reminder about breath and how important it is to breathe. You could breathe to the count of six, inhale for six, exhale for six, or just let it be natural, it doesn't matter. Taking that intentional breath is helpful. Um, and the last thing I wanted to say as a tool is if you find yourself kind of like floating away and not focused and you're like somewhere else and you can't ground yourself, using your five senses to ground. So looking around the room at points that can bring you back. Oh, I'm here. I'm in the space. There's a chair over there. There's a you know light over here and just grounding through your eyes, nose, any smells in the room that can like bring you back, bring you back to the present. Um, touch, you know, reaching to, to touch something, anything, any texture that's around you. Um, taste, having a sip of water just brings you back into your body. And listening, mindful listening, just listening around you to the sounds to ground you back to the present. So that's my last tool. I was going to say to the listeners, I don't know if you've been hearing our crackling fire, but I've been very aware of it this whole time back there. Perfect fire. <laughs> but... Um, I wonder if it was record if you can hear it. You probably can hear it on the microphone. Yeah. But that's honestly, this whole time I was like, oh, there's a fire. I can hear it. Right. You yeah. can also see it. And I can see it. Yeah. Right. And if it was a real fire, you could smell it. Right. So, yeah. yeah. What if we took all our tips? We had like a stress ball. Because remember we said, yes, squeezing and release. Yep. We were breathing. Mm -hmm. Then we were doing our five senses grounding. Oh my gosh. Multitasking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. we're doing all the stuff at once <laughs> um thank you shoshana for You're all welcome. of those tips we got i like that we got that little extra closer to the beginning so people listen yeah um we're so grateful for you being here and sharing your wisdom and expertise with us thank and you. i think this is going to be an episode that people really gain a lot from Thank you. Sure. Thank you so much, Thank guys. If you ever have any other questions or, you know, need more tips, I still have more in the toolkit. So. Yes. Yeah, we could totally link your information. And also, um, wanted to thank Noah and Naomi for your name. Yeah, here. what? Naomi and Noah. As I was typing, I was like, Noah and Naomi. One second. <laughs> um, for being incredible hosts for today. You guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. Thank you all for listening. Signing off from Friends 